listening to Miscarriage Stories with Arden Cartrett. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for joining the Miscarriage Stories podcast. Um, I know it's an easy thing to share your story, but I know that so many people will relate and find comfort in your words and the um, journey that you've been on so far. And so I am going to let you take it away and feel free to start your story wherever you feel like it begins. Okay. So my first loss actually occurred when I was a teenager in high school. I got pregnant my freshman year and um, I didn't really know. Obviously, I was really young. So my older sister actually pressured me into terminating that pregnancy. And the boyfriend I had at the time, he, we were children. So he was really scared too. And so I made the decision to go forward and terminate that pregnancy. And during the DN, or the DNC, I, that day forever changed me. Like I always say, I feel like a part of me died that day on that table. I never got to see the baby on an ultrasound. I never got to hear the heartbeat and, but I felt very much pregnant. That's what had caused me to go get tested. And I just, I don't think I was ready. I never understood fully what decision I was making and how it would impact me at that early age. So soon after I just, basically my life kind of fell apart. I never really got to cope with that. And I kept that secret from my mom for two years before just, it hurt so bad. And um, I just made poor choices after that. Moving into my young adulthood, I knew I always wanted to be a mom. Like that was my goal, right? Like as soon as I felt ready, there was nothing else I ever wanted to do than to become a mom. And so in my early 20s, um, I met my first long-term partner and we weren't trying, but we also weren't preventing because again, I was in college. I wasn't ready necessarily, but I was all for it if it happened and it never happened. And um, around that time, this is 2016 now, I started dealing with a lot of UTIs, recurrent UTIs and I didn't think anything of it, but my OBGYN at the time, because I had been going in so frequently, she had me tested for something called urea plasma, which I never had heard about. There's not a lot of people that mentioned this. I, and I guess it's some type of infection that I, that I must have picked up. Um, and she treated me for that with some antibiotics. And the first month after coming off that treatment, I got pregnant for the first time in my adult life. And um, so what happened was I was spotting for a while and I thought it was weird. I called her and she had scheduled, uh, she told me take a pregnancy test. And I'm like, I've never been pregnant. Well, this is like four years into my relationship. I'm like, I've never been pregnant. I don't understand, but okay. Sure enough, I was pregnant. I was so excited. I was so happy. Like I told my mom right away and we were all just super excited. And as soon as we found out is as soon as it was over. I remember the test was getting lighter instead of darker. Um, I had taken a few during this time. um, I was also kind of just like 
researching infertility and how to get pregnant. So I kind of knew a little bit, not too much at the time, but that is why I tested. So like a few days in a row and I went back to the doctors and they confirmed that it was a chemical pregnancy that I was experiencing. And that I think really set me over the edge. I want to say I was about 24, 25 years old at the time and uh, I couldn't handle it. I, that relationship I was in, we weren't healthy to begin with. It was just, um, come um, more comfortable and I couldn't cope well at all with that loss so soon after that loss we actually separated and I just hit a very dark spot thinking like I will never be able to be a mom and if I can't be a mom no one's going to want to marry me like I'm never going to find somebody in my all my dreams that I've ever had for myself I feel like they're never going to come true and he just wasn't emotionally mature to handle all the big emotions I had. So um, a few years or two years went by or a year actually only went by and I was working on myself. Um, I did start therapy and to kind of deal with what had happened. And I was, I then met my now husband in 2017 and very early into that relationship, I kind of let him know, hey, I suspect that I struggle with infertility. And just so you know, if you want to keep seeing me, I may never be able to give you children. So um, it's your decision, but or that I might need help. I didn't know how bad my infertility was or wasn't, but I just in my gut, like I felt like something wasn't right. And I had a feeling that it was going to be a lot harder. Um, so at this time, I had also started listening to infertility podcasts, and I knew a lot about infertility and IVF and IUIs, just because that's what I do. I like to binge things in my free time. Um, but I, so soon after I met him, we probably, as soon as it got serious six months in, we started trying and nothing happened. We didn't really think too much about it because again, and we were young and we were just early in our relationship. So we're like, great, we won't prevent it, but we won't, um, we won't try so hard for it. Then we got married in 2019. And oh, another thing, because my husband and I had spoken about infertility, I had always told him that I wanted to adopt out of the foster care system. And that I, if I couldn't get pregnant naturally, it wasn't something I would look into pursuing just because I already kind of knew the cost of this kind of treatment. And at the time, we neither one of us had that kind of infertility insurance. So we got married in 2019. And as soon as we got married, we already had appointments to meet with um, foster care agencies. We, um, we attended those and right after our wedding. And we were told that because we had just gotten married, we didn't qualify to become foster parents, that we had to be married at least one to two years in order for them to consider us. And so that was like soul crushing. Again, I know I've always just wanted to be a mom. My husband at the time was like now was super supportive and he wanted to grow a family. And so it was just a punch. And so Thankfully, my husband had gotten a new job and not knowing we actually were going to come into infertility insurance. 
and we're like, okay, wow. Um, but right before we noticed that actually, right after our wedding, around the same time that we had the, the heartbreaking foster care appointment, we also found out we were pregnant. And um, I, at that moment, of course, I was so excited thinking like, oh my God, and we're, we are believers. So faith is a big thing to us. And so I was like, oh my God, it was God's purpose for us. Like we weren't meant to do foster care. He's going to bless us with our own child. Like, oh my God, we've been trying and it didn't happen. But now like here we are with the positive pregnancy and it was getting darker and everything was looking good. Um, and then about when I was six weeks with that pregnancy, I started spotting and automatically I already just the anxiety, like this isn't looking good. I already know what's going to happen in my head. I knew this pregnancy was over because that's, that's what I've known. And, um, we went and every, my HCG was rising and we soon discovered it wasn't looking good, but it was still so early that they just kind of wanted to monitor me. But then one of the days I started feeling a lot of pain in my left side and the doctor had warned us and told us to kind of monitor for a possible ectopic pregnancy. And I just remember like not wanting to believe it. And I was like, maybe I'm just in my head, like maybe I'm imagining this pain, but the pain was there. And I had my husband rush me to the emergency room that night where they did confirm that we had an ectopic pregnancy and it wasn't looking good. Um, they couldn't find anything, but because of the symptoms, they, they were pretty sure that's what it was. They gave me the option and I think we waited a few days and then the pain had kind of gone away, but I think about four days later it came back and that's when the doctor's like, we don't want to risk it. We don't even want to give you another ultrasound. We need to terminate this pregnancy now. And so they did the methotrexate for me. And so that pregnancy ended and it took about two months from beginning to end, which was just like soul crushing and just waiting. And um, I will say all of those losses have been in around September, October. And so September is just like the worst month for me when the seasons changes to October. It's just like I dread those months. I, I, I just coming into fall, which surprisingly, I love fall. I just hate the season changing because it's really triggering for me so so that was back in 2019 of September and then December of that year we finally had our first appointment with the reproductive endocrinologist and I kind of gave him a brief summary of everything that we had gone through and so he requested that I do the H I think it's HCG or H or HSG to test the fallopian tubes because of the ectopic that I had. And after doing that test, we discovered that both some, not only one, but both of my tubes were not looking good. He's, they weren't as bad as he had seen, but both appeared to be blocked. So the plan was to have a surgery to remove one depending on what he would see, he may or may had not uh, removed the second one. So nice thing is I kind of already knew, but when they did do the surgery, um, I was informed that both tubes had been removed and that um, basically um, our only chance was ILEA. 
which is a double-edged sword. Um, I'm grateful at that time that I didn't have to do IUIs and drag it on. But at the same time, it was just a for sure thing. My fertility is over. Like there's no such thing as trying to conceive naturally ever with my husband, um, which was really hard. And this is, we had just gotten married. This is like not even six, probably six months after we've been married. And I'm just grateful that I have a really supportive husband who decided to choose me with all this infertility and was there to hold my hand through all of these crazy things that I feel like we've had to go through. So um, then um, the plan was for to do IVF. And we started that in June of 2020, right after the pandemic and everything happened. And um, we decided we were only going to do one cycle, regardless of the outcome. And we had discussed what our life would look like if we chose to not have children and or do foster care. And I think we both were in a place where we knew any option we would be okay with, but we wanted to never regret not giving, um, growing our family a chance. So we did do IVF. And um, in, so in July, I think was my egg retrieval. And um, we fortunately had one embryo. We, when we went through the process, we were told to cancel because I only had four follicles that looked okay. After all the medication, my body just didn't respond to it. And my, because I had listened to so many podcasts, I felt very well prepared in knowing that we could do this again and get the same results or worse results. Or, and if this is what my body is doing, sounds like it could be just bad eggs and I just have to accept that because we also don't have the finances to keep doing this over and over and over again so we made the decision against all the doctors advising us to cancel the cycle to move forward and we had one embryo from the beginning three fertilized only one made it and that little embryo became my son that today he's or he's almost two this upcoming June and finally, after many, many years and a lot of heartbreak, I am so grateful that um, I had my son. And right after having him, we, for a while, contemplated being one and done. We thought, we, there's no way. It was so much. And the cost of treatment is just, it's ridiculous. But I didn't, a year after I had my son, I didn't feel like my family was complete. I begged my husband to look into other options. And thankfully he was willing to consider embryo adoption. Um, and I, before I had even um, had my transfer, I was already like in a bunch of embryo donation uh, Facebook groups because I for sure thought my transfer wasn't going to work. So I was ready for plan B and C. Um, so, I matched privately with a couple, and in April of 2022, um, we they did a couple picked us, and they were very interested in us, and so we connected, and they offered us their five leftover embryos, and um, we finally adopted them, did all the contracts and everything in November of 2022. And our plan was January to start fertility treatments again, which we did. And in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, great. I, I can get pregnant. 
it's just, I have bad eggs. They like, but I am capable of getting pregnant because obviously I have a son. So it should be a lot easier if we have somebody else's DNA that has good genetics and good embryos. Um, that's not the case. We transferred our first um, donated embryo in February of this year. And unfortunately that, that ended up in a miscarriage of March of this year. So the little guy implanted and soon after he stopped growing and my body wasn't able to recognize it. And I held on to that pregnancy for eight weeks. And that was just really hard because it was a like it was the longest natural, not natural, but like longest miscarriage that I've had in a sense. Um, eight weeks was a long time and there we kept trying to have hope, but the, um, there just wasn't, the baby never fully grew. I think it was measuring at five weeks. It was super tiny. And so there was never a heartbeat. Now, the problem that I had was my OBGYN um, didn't see a sac and he kept trying to say it was a, um, ectopic pregnancy, but then I went to another place that did a private ultrasound and we found um, a sac. Uh, I also have been doing IVF out of state, so it's not like I have the fertility clinic to go do all these tests to, and I had to travel back and forth from California to Oregon multiple times for my transfer, and I was doing a lot of the legwork, so it was a lot harder on me emotionally than doing at a local clinic um so it's, it was just really hard and that's when I found your podcast and I I binged your podcast just to kind of um make me feel a little bit saner through the through the process I will say I was terrified of doing it at DNC because of my abortion back in 2004. I kept thinking it was going to cause me to have severe PTSD. And the thought of me being on a table doing a DNC isn't something that I was comfortable with. So I kept trying to tell my OBGYN that if he would just keep doing ultrasound and to prove that I had something in my uterus because I wanted to try the pill instead. Um, he was very unwilling to do that. And I didn't really have a lot of time to find another OBGYN because um, obviously I just wanted this pregnancy to be over so that we could move forward. Um, I did decide to do the DNC, which I will say surprisingly, I thought it was going to be super traumatic and it wasn't. My husband was there with me and they gave me Valium. So it was a lot more manageable and surprisingly I'm glad that I did choose that route because it was just a quicker closure and I think your podcast really helped because I was so like stuck on doing the pill but after hearing so many people's story on what how long the pill takes and sometimes it doesn't work it was it really just made me more comfortable with the decision to move forward with the DNC so that was helpful um that and then, so after that, it took about a month for my cycle to return. And now um, we are choosing to move forward again. And so right now I'm just waiting for my cycle to start and we plan to get ready for another transfer. Hopefully this works, but I know sometimes it doesn't. So we'll see what happens, but that's just kind of where I'm at today. 
Jesse, thank you so much for, for sharing your story and for sharing the information about a DNC. I, I do feel like sometimes we're kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, I think we're, we're scared of any of it. All the options are pretty terrible, right? But a DNC, for some reason, uh, definitely has more fear surrounding it. I don't know if sometimes we're told that by our doctors that it's, um, you know, the more scary option. But I do find that people who have had abortions earlier in life, they are fearful of a DNC for multiple reasons of the trigger, but also then having two DNCs in a situation like this where they think that that will, will harm future fertility. Um, and so it's it's nice that you got real information from from real people I think that that's really helpful and that's something that's really missing so you're also playing a part of that by by sharing your story because your your story includes so many different things which is so unfortunate you know you start to think how can somebody go through so much uh so much heartache in in a single journey and I'm just so sorry that your journey has looked like that um whenever you told your story the word that comes to mind and I've, I've said this before but it's like what this community always makes me think of as resilience. Like even though you are scared and you are probably very traumatized, you are like, I am going to try to find a way to continue to move forward towards the goal that I have. Um, and I think that that's, that's, that shows resilience for sure. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you'll have to keep us updated on where your journey goes from here. I always tell people that, um, I love update episodes. And so <laughs> I know that people listening are probably wanting to root for you. Um, I don't know if you share your journey on social media at all, or if anybody could reach out or, or connect with you. I I can put your um, handle in the description if that's helpful at all. Yeah, I do a little bit. I mean, with my first um, IVF transfer, I definitely shared most of the journey. So it's there. And then um, I do hope to right now, obviously after the loss, I kind of had a little social media break because yeah. it's just triggering and it's hard, but I definitely do. And I, I even started making a few like YouTube videos on the embryo adoption, just because I don't feel like there's a lot out there. And I just feel like it's a really cool option. If like yeah. for us, the IVF cost, it's just not realistic for us, but that doesn't mean that I don't, I want to give up trying. So, um, that's, there I just again haven't been very active right now just because I, I think I am still kind of bouncing back from the the loss I just had and just trying to focus yeah. on my family right now yeah I totally get that and I think you're right um there's not a lot of information about embryo adoption and it's a a really great option for for families um and I, I think it's a really beautiful way that our community kind of helps each other and connects one another um, so whenever you are in a place to really break down embryo adoption, that is also something I, I would love to, to break down more. Um, and I know it would help other people, but I appreciate you sharing your story so much and, and for sharing it in, in full. I know it's not easy to talk about, you know, being a teenager and being pregnant and then going into, you know, um, your early twenties and being pregnant, each stage of life and experiencing pregnancy is so hard that I, I hope that in some ways it's helped you become um, the best mother possible to, to your living son and then to your future child as well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that.